been canceled yet uh unfortunately we keep trying uh, i do know if we get in too much more of uh matt and felix on the show we're done like we're toast it's over for us we'll have to space those guys out but hope everybody's doing really well adam's in the building of course but we have a special guest don't worry it's not matt it's not felix this is actually somebody who's not just going to take shots at everybody all the time <laughs> we, we hope we, we hope, hope. <laughs> we hope brandon sanders is joining us how you doing brandon Doing good, fellas. Happy to be on. Uh, fun fact, we, me and Colin were the last ones on the original Canton Bound before you guys took over. Needless to say, you guys have carried it to new heights. And uh, we're grateful for you, for sure, because Canton Bound beforehand was struggling. So now we, it's uh, it's back on track. And I'm happy that you guys are part of the C2C's crew. And I'm happy to be on and join you guys and talking how we can find some diamonds in the rough. I'm excited. That's awesome. Man. It's a little bit of a, the passing yeah. of the torch here. Uh, yes, you, you just hand it to guys who don't know shit about college, but <laughs> a lot of dynasty. Getting bound, so we good. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nobody's asking me to do freshman supplemental draft strategy. I got this. That's, that's me and another podcast. That's a different time stuff. So. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, you did hint to it. We're going to talk about how to find those diamonds in the rough. And you kind of had an interesting thing that you brought to us about how understanding schemes, understanding college fantasy football, uh, understanding. You know, the general C2C, we kind of talk some basic C2C strategy about, you know, competing and how, you know, actual NFL prospects sometimes aren't the greatest for, uh, you know, for, for fantasy on the college side. Right. But let's see if maybe we can come up with a nice little process because you threw out some names that if you did understand the scheme and you did understand college fantasy football that, hey, if you only play in dynasty leagues and it comes to it, you're going to be that person just rubbing your fingers together in that third round because you're going to get the steal of the draft, right? Like we got a Adam over here. He's uh, he's carrying the torch for Puka Nakua here pretty much from the rest of his career. So like those kind of prospects, can we identify them early? Adam, don't, don't shake your head too about the Puka. You're the Puka guy. I'm going to change oh, your no, name no. to Puka. I, I, what I'm shaking my head is because I have to be because Mike is so anti-Puka. It's as mm. much as I am pro, Mike is anti, so it fits well. Um, That's so harsh. It, well, it's, it's it's both of us. Don't just act like it's only me. Come on. <laughs> Go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead, Brandon. Talk to us, man. Yeah. Um, shout out to Puka Nakua, man. Like, um, I think a lot of the reason why Zach Wilson is in the league is because of Puka Nakua there at BYU, man. Like, Nakua got injured their senior year. A lot of people forgot about Nakua. But the kid is a yak machine, man. That guy's got some sticky, sticky hands. And, uh, you know, we were able to kind of pick that out if you can get him in the third and stuff like that. There's a lot of rumblings. I mean, if your ear was to the ground, you could hear that Nakua was kind of popping off and McVeigh was a fan. But I think, you know, if you're – if you're doing like we're talking today, if you're playing CFF, then you were accustomed to Nakua and what he was capable of in a BYU offense. So it's kind of like we saw early stages, just people forgot because of the injury. So had that not been the case, I think a lot of people have been in Nakua probably a lot earlier, but he slipped through the cracks, just like guys in the past, like Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson that we'll talk about here shortly. And Love the it. process that went into getting them in the third and be able to snatch them up. And if you think about it, like we're talking about in strategy, this is like the strategy for those that are like are trying to make the push, right? They don't have the first and second rounder. I know you guys have been talking about, you know, tearing down things like that in particular, which I love that strategy. But say you're that you're that team that's like, man, I had to sell my first and second. I needed a running back. I'm making a push. I'm in the playoffs. But if you're comfortable doing this, then your third round picks are becoming gold. So if you have like two or three third round picks, you got a fourth round pick and you get lucky and you grab some of these guys like this could be a sound strategy to keep you in contention because you're constantly rebuilt or you're really, you know, you're loading up, especially in best balls. Or if you're doing um, ones where you have to start multiple flexes and things like that, this is the option where you can keep stacking those type of players for sure. 
That's I love per- this man. I that's love this perfect, brand. actually. To Adam, if you uh, if you remember some of our early best ball leagues or early dynasty best balls when we did it bad, um, and some of the teams that we hate the most still looking back on. <laughs> yep. Adam, I've actually got two of those where. Because of this exact thing, right? Like hitting on a Puka Nakua in the draft or picking him up uh, after the draft. Because on some leagues, he was, you know, five rounds wasn't even enough. The dude was on waivers. You know, you pick him up for a dollar, throw him on your team. That kind of saved you, right? You're heading into this year going, well, I don't have any draft capital for 24, so I'm kind of locked into competing, right? Like I, I have to go for it, but this team does not feel good, does not feel strong. And then all of a sudden you get one of these surprises and you go, okay, okay. I got a wide receiver one for nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. All of a sudden this team where I didn't have those picks doesn't look so bad. So yeah. I can I can name two of our early best bowlies where I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, all right, we're doing all right. Now, unfortunately, in one of those, I uh, I may have traded Puka Nakua to you for Quentin Johnston because I got a little bit over my skis, but that's kind of how it goes sometimes. It was a podcast. You know, it got animated. We made a trade. It was a good one for me, bad one for Mike. It, we've, we've done it vice versa, by the way. Now, I will say, uh, Brandon, when you started off with Puka may have been what made Zach Wilson, like, gosh, I love the way this is starting off because – Mike has been a big uh, Zach Wilson. Actually, I was too. I, 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 I like Zach Wilson more than consensus. And uh, he has been a flop. And to your point, man, maybe Puka was part of the reason that he looked as good as he did. Um, we don't have to get into the whole, you know, Dax Miling and all the, uh, you know, brotherly, yeah, sho- the brotherly the shove, shoves, if we, yeah, if we, we will, that. you know. Um, <laughs> I like that. That was a good one. But, um, but I will say t- to this point, Interesting, interesting point, Brandon. I really like this because this is something I've been thinking about. When, when we talk about rebuilding and contending, right? We talk about how the rebuilder has all the flexibility and the contender so rigid. And while that's true, uh, w- the point you're bringing up is very interesting to me because the fact you're so rigid and because you've, you know, on these teams where you've, let's say you've either, you know, sent away futures that you shouldn't have, or whatever the case may be, you're out of futures, right? You're kind of like your back's up against the wall, you know, and and what do you got to lose? So what's interesting about that is you're in a position to take a stab maybe on the rise of a Puka Nakua because what do I got to lose, right? Where someone that thinks they have found money from a, you know, waiver wire transaction or a fifth round or a fourth round pick, they flip for a second to you. Maybe it's not even a second, a player in that range, right? They think, oh, I'm, I'm just getting off of this Puka Nakua. I've got found money. But you, because you're in this back-against-the-wall position, you take an early stab on Puka with nothing to lose, and all of a sudden you have found money. So I, I really, really like that. Um, it's kind of a, something that I've thought about, you know, just grinding on the contending side when you do push all your picks in and you're at the point of, you know, you're kind of like the Saints, but you're trying to actually do it well, right? You just you, you got nothing left, and you're just like, man, at this point, I don't have my future. Gonna, might as well try to win now. So I really like that point, Brandon. Yeah, and you know it's like when you're doing um, when you're when you're building and you're you're contending and stuff like that. It's also another strategy too because it's like now your your league mates, you know, like Mike was talking about, you're taking notes about your league mates, you're finding you know what they like, what they don't like. You know, coming from one where it's nothing but the NFL, all of a sudden you're the guy that plays college fantasy football, and it strikes fear in their hearts because you know about these players that they've never heard of until draft season. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there, you know, just making notes and stuff like that. And they know that I'm not just trading away my third rounds for nothing. Right. And in fact, I'm going to be collecting third rounds and fourth rounds. All of a sudden they're like, what is Brandon up to? Like, what, what does he know? And then all of a sudden you start grabbing these guys, Cooper cup, Deontay Johnson, Puka Nakua, like these guys, I grabbed Keaton Mitchell for free and he played at ECU. I'm, an Let's hour go. away from Greenville, Keith North Mitchell's Carolina. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I got to see Keith Mitchell up close. He plays in a G5. So it's like he didn't get a lot of love, right? But he got okay capital as far as drafting in the in the draft. That's another thing. Like, you have to look at it like Cooper Cup was a third rounder, right? Deontay Johnson was a third rounder. Every once in a while, you'll get a guy that'll not be drafted, whether it's Keith Mitchell. Um, another guy who played the same team as Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne, before he turned his ACL, was same Washington's team on the other side of Cooper Cup, he was undrafted. And then look what happens when you give him opportunity when he has the same skill sets and become a yak machine that Cooper Cup was as well because they came from the same team, same scheme. So there you go. Like these guys have put in proper situations where they can thrive. 
it can produce for you. So that's another thing. It's like it's just strategy on top of strategy. It's like striking fear into your league mates' hearts, but at the same time, it's like you know you're adjusted because you know these deep names that no one is even thinking about unless they're in the first two rounds, right? So that's something to think about too. I think that's probably one of the coolest things too. If I think about playing college fantasy football or you know a C two C league and getting more exposure to those those deep darts, those those guys way down there that kind of go out of the back burner because traditionally, at least for dynasty, I know for me when I'm in uh, when I'm in rookie drafts, you know, you get to the fourth round, you get to the fifth round, you know, in some drafts, you know, it's as early as the early part of the third round. It's just not a very very deep class with really good high draft capital prospects or prospects who produced a whole lot in, in college. So when you get to some of those parts, I almost default just to those athletic freaks, right? That's what I'm going for. So if you, you were talking this year with Puka Nakua, why, why was he going in fourth round, fifth round, undrafted? It's because you get to that point and all of a sudden you go, hey, uh, Elijah Higgins might play tight end. He looked pretty good as a wide receiver and he's got some that. athleticism. This is the guy I want to take my shot on. This is the dart throw. And what's he been this year? nothing <laughs> zero can barely get on the field you know bryce ford wheaton another one you see him go out to the combine and you're like well if draft capital is the same i'm just going to default to the guy who big fast you know looks really Athletic. good in gym shorts yep i would say this though I, brandon and correct me if i'm wrong though if you're playing college fantasy football and you're actually paying attention to it because you're trying to win the title or you're trying to get the most amount of points on the field you're going to understand that, you know, maybe an Elijah Higgins or a Bryce Ford Wheaton aren't exactly the greatest producers or they're very streaky producers because they just out-athleticism somebody every now and then at the college level. They're not the consistent guys. They're not the guys who are scheme number one in their offense, right? They're, they're not getting all those things that we covet in fantasy football on the NFL side like targets and opportunity share and who's getting the carries, who's getting the looks, who's getting the third down looks. So is this something that maybe – as more people get into it, these are the things that you can kind of pay attention to, and, and maybe we'll stop defaulting to the, hey, this guy looks like Tarzan. <laughs> Great. He can't catch a football, though. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I, yeah, I like Go that ahead, a lot, Adam. Mike. Oh, I was just going to say to that point, I was going to pass it to you too, Brandon, because I'm curious your answer. But, you know, when I, when I look at, like, okay, for example, it's interesting. Um, bring another show in real quick just to plug what, what we use of theirs, right? Player profiler. I look at, like, Puka Nakua, right? And I think a lot of people will default to – what player profiler says, and you're looking at their metrics, right? Their combine. And when you look at the the workout metrics for Puka, you, you kind of think, okay, he went to BYU. And you think, man, nothing here pops off the page, right? Like 4, 4.6240, you know, burst score, agility score, all, all this is low, right? Even like the college dominators, nothing spe special. But what's interesting to me is um, like how do we – and is there is there a process that you kind of attach yourself to um, in a way to say, okay, he does not pop off the page with athleticism, but he's not too slow. Because you, you take a look at, I, I, I know very well with the guy in Cleveland, David Bell, right? The problem for him is actually the athletics, the athleticism, right? He, this dude is not separating. He is just not cut out as an athlete in the NFL. And um, I also look at the best comparable, and uh, man, taking me back, Stevie Johnson, best comparable for Puka Nakua. And um, so I guess with that, Brandon, like, you know, kind of piggybacking on the question Mike had, is there is there ways to kind of see, one, kind of fade certain athletes that just look really great in shorts, and then two, is there a way to tell, okay, this is a check mark for, you know, athletic enough, but not completely dead? Yeah, I mean, the best way to explain it is, like, I don't, there's not, like, a body type, there's not a certain look or anything like that. It's honestly the eye test, right? Like, when we were at the fantasy footballers, like before I deep dived into CFF and now do like freshmen and stuff like that and looking for opportunity on 133 teams, I was doing dynasty and regular redraft just like everybody else and stuff like that. In order for me to get better, like I had to understand. And so I found CFF and it became, you know, the new love, right? And then C2C became a concept in the company and now you can play them both at the same time right but the eye test still stands the test of time like and that's why i'm going to bring it to you guys because i feel like there's a way we can use eye test and still use analytics like a warp um a Love trinity this. score you know things like that where maybe we can put it together on the college side and put these things that we see with our eyeballs and it can translate somehow on 
some metrics that we can look at and like, yeah, that's going to pop off. And the way I do it is I look at pretty much because, you know, you're watching some action on a Tuesday night, right? Like everyone else is yes. probably out doing something else. They're probably watching, catching up on their, I don't know if you're into the bachelor or whatever you're into cool, whatever you're into. Right. But for me, you know, I'm watching obscure games. Like for me, it was watching Toledo in 2018 and seeing this kid named Deontay Johnson, who was just, head and shoulders above all else when it came to understanding routes and how crisp they were right and how good he was about separating himself from the defenders sure it's the maxion right so it's like it's g5 but he did go up against some harder teams like the maxion does have to play some harder ones usually it's in the beginning of the year right the first four games or so but the fact that deontay johnson could consistently get open i think is what the scouts saw too when i was just randomly watching it trying to get some fantasy points right and i was just like deontay johnson is the quintessential wide receiver one in Toledo. And he just had a gunslinger for a quarterback. So when he went to Pittsburgh at the time, he was with Big Ben, regardless of what you feel about Big Ben personally, Big Ben would stand in the pocket and he's got a big boy arm and he would rifle down. And he depends on his receivers to do the routes correctly, be there at the right timing. And guess who had those tangibles? Deontay Johnson. And guess where? He got drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. And it a lot of people forgot about Deontay Johnson when it came for rookie drafts, right? Because well, he's a third rounder, you know? So he yeah. slipped through the cracks. And know? I think I think another point, I didn't I kinda I, I saw it early, but I didn't pay enough attention to it until Mike and I actually on our very first early days of podcasting, I kind of brought all of it to the the forefront. Like, man, this is something I think I'm gonna pay attention to and I'm gonna start getting in on Deontay before he gets really, you know, value spiking. Because if you remember Antonio Brown had all of that crazy stuff happening and they traded him directly for the third round pick that they used for Deontay Johnson. And if you look at their comparables, I mean, Matt kids, right? I mean, it, it, he literally, if you look at his player body stuff, all of his metrics, they're, they're as close to, if you could find, I mean, it's very hard. You're not going to find an AB clone. I got, I got news for you, but if you could find the closest thing, that's what they did. And they actually traded for it. And Big Ben used him in that same role. Um, so to the point like that you're making, um, like I love it. I, I, I love everything you're bringing up right here with Deontay. And uh, a guy that I was – Mike and I were both pretty in on um, relative to cost. So love that one. And what's could even it, more – go ahead, Mike. Well, could it also be like the Deontay thing? But we were also talking a little bit about Cooper Cup, right? Like you have no idea who the hell Cooper Cup is, right? right. I mean, how many people back then were watching Eastern – Eastern Washington games, not a lot. No, I was only because this is like the <laughs> dirty days of DraftKings, right? Where it's like you played FCF schools, so they had it random once. So they're like, who's this Cooper Cup kid? So then you would go and right. you see one like grainy 480p like, you know, video. But you saw this kid just yak it up like the yak machine. Like I was like, and I cheat a little bit. When I was the fantasy footballers, we had access to our buddy Matt Harmon, who's reception perception, right? Let's so it's go. like, I was like, Harmon. Like this Cooper Cup kid, right? I was like, I've only, you know, played him in DraftKings. I was like, but he looks crisp. And he's like, honestly, when I did his chart, it stands out above the rest. I was like, but a lot of people aren't paying attention to him because he's from the FCS, which is not even at the time 128 FBS school teams that were allowed to play in CFF, right? So I couldn't even play Cooper Cup on a regular CFF dynasty or fantasy roster, right? Like he was nowhere to be found. You were lucky if you got to play him on DraftKings like once a year, if you're lucky type situation. So it's like you use you know, the the resources that you had, but with Harmon saying, hey, this guy is different. And then all of a sudden he started getting a little bit of buzz. He went the third round. Then I found out, you know, he's he's rooming with Jared Goff, who's the starting quarterback and drafted one overall to the Rams and Sean McVay, which I remember McVay from Washington and a few other ones, scheme and fit mattered, right? Like it's all of a sudden the, it's like the perfect storm came together and we had the best wave you could serve possible with Cooper Cup golf and McVeigh all at one time and it just kept going with Stafford you know so it's kind of like it was a perfect setting you know but it, you use what you could but the eye test when you saw Cooper Cup he was different like he should have been FBS and if the transfer portal was around then like it was now I'm pretty sure he would have played FBS he probably would have wound up playing for Washington like this kid like the Polk, uh, Adunze, McMillan, those guys yeah. that are really, really good now that are getting a lot of draft buzz. Guarantee you if Cup could have transferred, he probably would have played at a Washington or Oregon, and he would have dominated people. 100%. Well, he's he's doing it in the NFL, so we know he right. could have done it in the Pac-12. Now, to the point you just made, though, I love – see, I love what I'm kind of hearing here, at least for me. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think what we're saying really is, okay, you have to do a little bit of homework on the eye test 
is the route running crisp? Is he checking boxes, right? Not just athleticism. And then I think the big thing I'm hearing, at least for these guys that really took a, a seismic leap from where you probably drafted them or acquired them, a lot of that is actually intangible stuff, right? Like the player and the fit, right? The McVeigh thing, the Big Ben thing. Like if you get a guy that you think has outside chance of success and then you find a pairing like that, I think at the cost where you're going to draft those guys, that is actually going to be something I pro- – that's interesting, man. I would not have thought that, but that is going to be the X factor for me. If I see a guy that I do like and I see the situation makes sense. I love that call. I'll give you another example that's the reverse, right? So you have a kid named Dontavian Wicks, right? Played for Virginia. Well, we had Brendan Armstrong the year before. It was a different scheme. It was a very pass-happy scheme. They won the ACC. They shot, you know, shoot out against UNC, which is my team. And that was a heart, heart attack waiting to happen as far as the back and forth between them and Drake May, right? But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, like they get Tony Elliott in there. It becomes more of a Clemson run first thing it becomes very slow don timmy wicks just disappears his senior year on cff so then he drastically fought but where does he go to green bay and all of a sudden it's like all right there's the new kid in town jordan love they're trying to use that one Jaden reed went second you know second round so don and wicks has a little bit of opportunity as far as like the roster and depth but if one of those guys go down which we've seen if dobbs is injured christian watson then now wicks gets some move and he's already gotten a touchdown as a rookie in the nfl but we saw this two or three years ago in cff because he was a dominant like top 15 cff wide receiver but he had a lot of the same tangibles as far as getting open bigger body so you're running me more of a which one of my favorite players demarius thomas just you know the bigger body receivers that are out there and things like that that came from georgia tech that you just toss it his way and he'll pull it down so you have those guys and then you also have the burners like we call him chuck sizzle but charlie jones who's sitting there in cincinnati right like he's just waiting for tyler boyd to move on and then charlie jones i guarantee you will be a very dominant wide receiver three for cincinnati because he's in such a great situation just like he was in purdue so that's kind of like what we're looking at you know currently mike i mean you can speak to the dontavian wicks mike and i uh gobbled up some best ball stand up man we got we got a lot of Dontavian Wicks over here, man. A shit ton. I have a shit ton of Dontavian He's Wicks for, for that exact reason, right? That was one of the things that kind of went under the radar was the fact that there was a scheme change and it went over, and you're like, well, if you go back and you look two years ago, this is something. You look last year, you go, okay, we don't really care. Then he goes to a place and you go, well, the depth chart's actually kind of wide open. I, I thought I had some high hopes for Christian Watson, right? I had some high, but I've never been really a big Romeo Dobbs fan. You know, they're bringing in multiple rookie tight ends. We don't know which one's really going to shake out. You go, this is kind of wide open for him possibly having a role. And then you see, you know, pretty much from week one, guy's got a role now. We'll see how much he maintains or for girls from there. But those are the guys that in best ball leagues, Adam's talking about it, especially. You're probably not plugging Dontavian Wicks into many lineups, but in best ball, it's like, this dude might make a lineup every other week. <laughs> like he, he just might catch a touchdown all of a sudden. That's something I got for damn near cheap. Here's one thing, too, I wanted to point out, and it's not necessarily a uh, – it doesn't have to be like these deep dive guys. This can also apply to some of these early guys. And the one that sticks in my head the most is watching Jonathan Taylor in in college, right? Like actually watching college games – he came from a power running scheme, like the old Brett, what Brett Bielema is still doing right now. Uh, exactly. This is what he came from, where it's this this pin and pull. We're pulling guards. We're pulling tackles. We're running traps. We're running counters. This is where he came from. And people were losing their minds early on in Jonathan Taylor's rookie year when he goes to the Colts because what the Colts were doing were running a lot of zone concepts, and that's something that was kind of foreign to JT at the time, right? And then you saw Adam. I would say probably what about midway through the season. Well, and the, and you saw that scheme Change. really freak out. Yeah, and well, why? I mean, you, dude, remember remember how scary it was for people. Um, I didn't never panicked on the JT thing, but people were losing their minds when they're seeing the guy not play. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, they were they were panicked, and then you saw the Colts about midway through go, okay, we're going to start integrating some more power. Yep. Power concepts into our running game. We're going to really start to ramp this up. We're going to get Quentin Nelson on some polls. You got the famous one. I think it might have actually been from that year. I know it, it ended up being fake like somebody had done it, but when he pulls around and buries somebody, you hear the scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you got a sound effect, that one, man. Yeah, you got the sound effect, that one. 
But that kind of stuff, watching college football and understanding just basic schemes, you're going to, I mean, you could have understood. JT was a great prospect, but you could have understood that, hey, man, uh, week one, what am I seeing? How many how many times are the Colts running in kind of like power concepts with Jonathan Taylor? Next to none? Zero? Oh, no wonder this guy's struggling. Like this, he's coming from a scheme that he doesn't understand. So I think if you have a little bit where, more wherewithal about that, you can probably identify these guys earlier. You can identify the ones who are going to hit or just like, bam, this dude's a plug and play, right? Now we'll see if he actually gets the opportunity, but if he gets the opportunity, holy Santa Claus shit, this is going to be something. And if you're talking about those guys like deep down, I mean, those are free assets. Those are free like game changers. And those are the ones I really want to focus on. Everybody's going to know the names at the top. We're going to talk at nauseum about it come rookie season. We're going to talk at nauseum about how Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do, right? Like, oh, look where he went, and this is what he's going to do. But everybody knows Marvin Harrison Jr. Nobody's going to know who that, you know, fifth, fourth-round receiver is that you might be able to get. And, Adam, you and I have been trying to push as much best ball as humanly possible on people. So if you start to identify some of those guys, and you can get those free ones in best ball, leg up, and heaven forbid you identify a Cooper Cup, a Puka Nakua, or Deontay Johnson well, over the rest of your league mates. It's funny, and, and Brandon, I'm going to kick it to you. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this or if you have any um, additional insight on kind of how you play this in both Dynasty and in um, you know, basically college fantasy football. And for me, this is the interesting part, right? Mike just talked about how there's, there's levels and there's layers to it, right? I mean, if you're paying a lot of attention to the college stuff because you're especially you're playing fantasy, right? You play fantasy, I hate to tell you, but a lot of times for me, I'm paying a little extra attention. Um, you know, not that I'm not paying attention, but I'm a little extra attention. So Mike's got me in some of these IDP leagues now, man. I'm I'm paying attention to all all types of stuff that I never thought I'd be paying attention to. But when you pay attention and you're looking and you're just talking about different things in tier breaks and you know the power run you're talking about, right? And the patience that you had with Jonathan Taylor, and then you get to see that game versus Jacksonville at the end. I mean, man almost 300 yards, right? All of a sudden it's all clicking. You're like, dude, imagine panicking, right? Well, it's a, it's a scheme change. And that's the top end stuff, which is which is massive. If you miss a lot of first, second round picks, that's going to hurt your team. However, I think what's so interesting about um, the opposite side too is when we talk about Dontavian Wicks, listen, I was in because of the same reasons you guys are talking about but the main reason I really was in is because it was free pretty much, right? I, I didn't pay much for him, but that's an added benefit, right? Because if Dontavian Wicks, if all the reasons in my priors flame out, what did I lose? Absolutely nothing or minimal at all, right? Okay, you're going to miss some. And at that point, you're kind of expecting to miss, I would think. But to Mike's point, you, you had a Dontavian Wicks, and this is where best ball is so fun. Brandon, I'm not sure how, how much you're playing in best ball, but for me, what's so fun about it is it ads like Dontavian Wicks you have people that are higher up than him in value that are basically meaningless like why do we care in lineup leagues we're starting nine people in lineup why do we care about these guys Dontavian Wicks has a pulse in a deep best ball league like that's one of the fun things for me is you get to study and pay attention and grind the edges because you get Dontavian Wicks's right okay you picked made that free let's say he makes your lineup three times four times that's awesome that's found money but to Mike's point, if you make, if you get the Deontay really cheap, you get the Puka, the Cooper Cups, these guys that ascend to stardom from you know the third and the fourth round. That's 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 literally how you basically continue to keep a dynasty going. Is just you hit you hit a couple of those picks, and they can outweigh so many different errors. And imagine taking the victory lap when you're the guy that takes them in the third round, right? And when it's time to cash out, when they're veterans and you're in the rebuild process, right? Or you're like, hey, I'm trying to tear down or something like that, where you can grab another second round, a third rounder that you can do this all over again, right? Imagine the victory lap when you're selling Cooper Cup for a first or you're going down to like a Hollywood Brown in a second or, you know, like whatever it yeah. is that you want to do as far as your movement and to win a championship. Imagine the victory lap you could have when you had him for free to begin with for like, what, eight plus years, and then it's time to finally cash out when it's at the highest you can go. Yeah. What, a, what a success, you know? That's awesome, right? Huge. And, and I think, Brandon, I actually was going to ask you this. Th this is, I think um, this right here for me is one of the toughest things to do and kind of quantify. Like for Mike and I, right? Mike and I basically early on, we both knew of the name of Puka Nakua. We, first of all, we had Derek Brown 
put it down our throats on Twitter for D bro is legit. He yeah, what he's doing. So we knew, but it's just in our, I don't know, it's in our DNA, right? To say, okay, this is a waiver wire guy, our fourth round pick. He's now a second, two seconds. Oh, it's time to sell, right? Like, it's in our DNA to think sell. Shoot, it took me two weeks to be like, hold on, man. I don't know that this is a smart bet because we're paying different type of capital. Quentin Johnson, right? We're paying a first-round pick all of a sudden. Like, if I miss here, this is going to suck. However, what was interesting to me anyway was that there's also, and I don't know if you have a, a thought process or something you do. If you're kind of a guy that likes to pivot at certain ranges, it depends on the player. But I'm thinking to myself at this point, Pukunuku is playing so well. Like, what if this guy is a top 15, top 10 dynasty receiver? What if he is that good? I'm still actually buying at a reasonable price given that. The problem is the bet is now very rich. So is there something when you get um, guys you're bullish on, guys you've studied, guys you've really been following for years, like are you are you someone that tries to ride it all the way to the top and see it all the way through? Do you like to pivot? Um, do you kind of do a mix of, of both? What, what What's your strategy on that? It's a lot of both nowadays. Uh, when I first started, you know, you're very stubborn because you're like, I found the diamond. Like, that's my diamond. You can't have my diamond. And then here they come with the the offers, especially when you see the, the breakout of Deontay. Cooper Cup, people were throwing me God knows what. And sometimes when I look back at it, I'm like, I avoided a lot of just crazy trades that would have wound up being worse for your dynasty teams. But there were some that were lucrative where I could probably would have cashed down on like back-to-back championships. But because of my stubbornness early, because I was the one that picked up Cooper cup in the third, you know, you, uh, you kind of go with it. And so you deal with the ACL years and the ones where you lose a couple of really strong years that Cooper cup did, but you knew he was coming back because Cooper cup has that dog in him and he's just going to come back and he's going to give you everything he's got. Uh, so now, you know, your people are going through the Brit ripen, uh, you know, era until Stafford returns. So people are starting to freak out again. But you know how it is with overreaction, everything when it comes to the NFL and in college nowadays. So it's like you just got to you got to go with your gut. Um, you know, like now's the time probably to get out of Cooper Cup. But for Puka Nakua, like I would need the moon. I honestly would need the moon because oh, let's he, hear what do you need? Talk to us, man. Give us I, the real. I don't know, man. I'm not the tear down guy. So you you tell me like, OK, for me. So, for example, like my main one with the guys that we with the fantasy footballers, we've been it for like 10 plus years. So I was the guy that went and got the veterans, right, because it was time to push. But I had a first. So I got my Jameer Gibbs, right? I got him 105. It was a beautiful thing, right? Mm. But I was the guy that gave my second for the Aaron Rodgers who lost his Achilles. I was the one that had Kyler waiting for him to come back. So here I am in week 10, hoping and praying Kyler Murray doesn't because I'm tired of streaming these guys like Brett Rippon and getting three fantasy points and stuff like that because you have to play at least one quarterback in Superflex. That's where best ball comes in handy for those that aren't playing best ball. That's where like, hey, like it's going to pick the best one for you. So you're not having to do like I'm doing where you're streaming Clayton Toon, which is a catastrophe, or you're streaming Brett Rippon, waiting for your Kyler Murray to return your hero. So then he could anchor your Cooper Cup, your Deontay Johnson, your Debo Samuel, all these top wide receivers that I have that I'm trying to PPR people to death with, right? But yeah. can't do that when you don't got – in a super flex when you're supposed to go after the quarterbacks, right? So you give up the quarterback to go get Jameer Gibbs, right? So, but that's the choice that I made. You know, I, I traded down. I wanted some more assets because I wanted the third rounders and fourth rounders. Why? Because I knew about Don Tavian Wicks. I knew about Keaton Mitchell for free. I knew about these guys where I could grab them, throw them on the, uh, the taxi. And when time is now here, which sounds like maybe it might be Keaton Mitchell season. So that'd be great if he can surpass Gus bus, but I doubt it. But if he can be a, an asset and kind of be like the Devon A-Chain where it can be a secondary one that will score you those points, that's a free one versus A-Chain, which was a third round at the time. Now A-Chain was going to cost you, what, an arm and a leg, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But for Puka, it would be like you need you need the, the big boy first. You need the one where you know when you're going to get Drake May, Caleb Williams. You're going to get – because I don't believe, honestly, the running back of this class, not the greatest in the world, but there's yep. some few that are down there in the fourth and fifth rounds, which I can guarantee you. And we could talk off podcast if you guys want and stuff like that. But like there's guys that you can get later that might be a Keaton Mitchell situation where it's like the guy's got some fight in him. He might not get the best draft stock, but given the opportunity and the right scheme, which we'll talk about that again here in a couple minutes, like that's where it matters the most, basically. So for me, it's like Naku is he's he's. He would be pretty expensive because I see him as the Ram. He is the cup guy. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, he's, the, he's, he's the future, future cup. I love 
Man, this is God tier prices for Pukunuku. I love hearing this, man. Uh, I, I I might be wrong, you know what I'm saying? Like it might no, be I'm just, like I'm I'm excited, be wrong, man. I've been I've been the I've been the Nakua guy here, so it's just it's nice to hear someone else. You know, I'm still gonna fight the good fight. I'm still gonna fight the good fight, Mike. You're Please perfectly do. fine, brother. <laughs> Crush our souls, Mike. Come on. One of the things Adam and I really like to do, and uh, you know, I'm T. I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast, but we've definitely mentioned it other places, and we get pushback from other people and. You know, there's always that one person in the comments or the Discord or the Patreon who who hates it. But Adam and I, we're we're big on pre NFL rookie drafts. Pre like, put it out there. Let's go. And and people go, well, you don't so really get an advantage. Fun, you know, you're missing. You do all this. Adam, I've kind of found it, and and he can back me up on this one that when you hit, you hit massive. You hit big. You knock it out of the park. It's done. And when you miss, sometimes you can miss pretty big. But even time, more times than not, like especially with this class, I look back at the data for all the leagues that I tracked that we did pre-NFL drafts and where the ADPs were across it. You go, okay, well, you didn't miss that bad. You didn't miss that bad relative to what other people are missing post-NFL drafts. So here's some just things I wanted to point out, Brandon, just in pre-NFL drafts, like some of these players, which we're seeing stuff for right now, um, was there anything that would have stood out to you like about these guys going into it where you go, okay, scheme wise you know like these this would have been a guy i would have been heavily interested in uh especially relative to where they were going so uh the first one on my list here is aiden o'connell and he was taking in a grand total of one out of 13 pre-nfl drafts we did and these are five rounds right super flex leagues best ball i would have missed that mike i would have thought it was at least a couple more wow one somebody took him at 55 overall and that was it Done. But see, here's where the CFF comes in handy because you know about Aiden Connell's story. Like he went from literally the practice squad walking on and being like the sixth string quarterback, mm-hmm. fighting his way to the second one to becoming the starting quarterback, right? Like he was there. His best friend, Charlie Jones, came from Iowa. Sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> but you guys have a fantastic tight end hey, factory, by the way. He, uh, he, he, did, he did fine for us, too. Like, he returned a few big-time punts right. for us and it did some things. I love Charlie Jones' time at Iowa. Right. Just unfortunate to uh, to see him have to move on to an offense that would actually throw the football. There you Screw go. you, so Brian Ferentz. So he went to a Jeff Brom system. Jeff Brom now at Louisville. That's why you might see in a little bit about Jamari Thrash and a couple of these guys that might be uh, fourth, fifth rounder, sixth rounders. Dontavian Wicks like as far as like the the range and the round, but in the right setting, you see what because Thrash is a transfer portal. He went from Georgia State, which was a very balanced where now he's in a Brom system to now he's become become essentially what Charlie Jones became, which was Chuck Sizzle. That's why he got his name, because he was literally wide receiver one in CFF for multiple weeks until he finally went down with injury and stuff like that. And had he not had his injury, I think if he would have completed it, uh, he might have got a little bit more higher draft stock for the Bengals, which he already had a pretty decent one for the most part. So um, that's where like O'Connell, like I knew because of his his fight to become what he has become. And I knew that if he was allowed now, with the Raiders with no more McDaniels. I was, I'm a Broncos fan. So I knew what it was like to have McDaniels as a coach, the Tebow era shout out to uh, DT for catching that from Tebow and getting us in the playoff for a change. Um, Rest in peace, DT. He was the man, but, uh, but you know, like understanding, you know, that McDaniels in that system, not the greatest one, but O'Connell and a system where they let him throw and you can use your top weapon, like, like a Devonte Adams, that's uh, or you know, like Jacoby Myers watching him at NC State. I was watching another guy, for example, that was on NC State who was a big stud. He kind of had that DTS looking, but I was sitting there in the freaking spring game, but like, who is just Jacoby Myers kid in the slot and why is he catching everything and in, in you know, in his possession in the ACC, right? Turns out <laughs> I should have been paying attention to my gut because I would have been like, I should have took Myers in like the third a couple years ago and stuff like that. And now look at what A Warp is telling us Myers is a dog, you know, like he's the one to grab you can get a kindred born for, for like a good trinity score you know things like that you know like so that's where i'm you know we're bringing to the table on this one like what doing playing cff or just watching college football and playing some type of what whether it's best ball you could do like i i started out with literally just acc as a conference and then best ball and then you just literally 
learn the rosters and you just pick who you think is going to stand out as far as like you can use like Phil Steele's magazine. There's a bunch of college magazines out there you can use. Right. But you start there and then you finally get to where you're like us who are the sickos that play for the all 133 teams. And I can tell you the starting wide receiver for Sam Houston State. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, ridiculous wow. stuff. Who's a dog, by the way. Um, this, is, this is my guy right here, man. Brandon, so, uh, stand up. So, you know, like I'm saying, like you, the eye test is there, but it's, it's it's starting to translate onto metrics. And that's where that's where we're coming to you, you know, in this episode. Like this is where we can find the diamonds with the eyes. But eventually we can find a way to where the metrics can kind of correlate at the same time. Are we, so. are we revealing some of our findings or are we just kind of teasing? Um, I'm hoping that uh, as uh, we're both all on the same team now, we can go to Jarek and be like, hey, this, yes. uh, or yes. we can talk to your boy Cooper, like, yeah, hey, man. some college A warp. This is exciting. Good. This is really exciting, maybe too, to get this on the college side. Or maybe we can find different metrics in the college level that can translate, you know, the same way. That's kind of what I'm bringing to the table and that we can talk behind the scenes and stuff like that. But if we can essentially move our scouting eyes or, you know, what we're seeing, like this kid stands out. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, boom, now all of a sudden he's a guy that we can rely on in a best ball. Or if you're starting dynasty, if you're doing what you know I'm doing, where you're still setting lineups and stuff like that, he's a guy you can just plug in and forget about it because he's going to at least get you like 10 fantasy points plus just because of catches alone, you know, things like that. Can I can I at least ask you who can we can we get a little bit of the uh, the feel of the Sam Houston State wide receiver? Now my brain just won't leave it. Um. Uh, I think his name is Noah Brown. I want to say it's, oh, let's go. I forget his name. It's the one there, but currently he is in fan tracks. I think if you go by fantasy points, he's like wide receiver, like 30 something right now. Wow. And it's only because they moved to a freshman quarterback who seems to open up the, the offense better for Sam Houston state. Sam Houston state is transitioning from the FCS, just like, you know, some other teams have. So they're going up against yep. harder competition, but they're starting to find their way. And they're not just all defensive heavy and run heavy. It's almost like Sam Houston with the colors was trying to be like Clemson when they didn't need to be, if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, the Bearcats, man. Yeah, the, the but the, the Bearcats, they're not the Tigers. But, uh, you know, but now all of a sudden they're starting to open it up. They have a good freshman quarterback who, I'll be honest with you, I see no potential in NFL whatsoever. He might play in the XFL and be decent, you know, for sure. But, like, I don't know if he'd make a practice squad in the NFL. But he opens up the offense to this kid. And another guy who was one that he's none of the Raider anymore, but when Tez Walker or Don Tez Walker was at Kent State, he was, you know, a little under the radar because he's at Kent State in the MAC. So he was going to be like that next Deontay Johnson. Well, the NCAAs were being buttholes. We finally got our guy, and now he's playing with a, a, a guy that's going to go first overall as a quarterback in Drake May. So it's like when you play in that type of offense now, Tez is breaking out, and people don't understand his name, so his draft stock's going to be higher. So, however, if Tez, if there was no transfer, for portal you know at the time and there was no you know waiver and stuff like that he might have been able to be that guy that you caught like you know he got like a third round draft grade or a fourth round draft grade and he went to the right scheme and then boom now you have a new deontay johnson and tez walker shout who's out. able to catch anything and everything right shout out julian edelman go back in the day I, kent there state's right around the corner for me and uh can't read can't write kent state you know golden flashes baby let's go golden flashes so, right uh yeah, man, uh, him, him getting to go play at Carolina, to your point, man, he, it's been really cool to watch him this year. He, he is – he's awesome. I love watching him play. Yeah, we're happy so, to have him back. I look at, too, the uh, the pre-NFL drafts, and, and I got one here that was in the mid to late part of the fifth round universally. And, and mind you, we're doing these – Adam, I think we did all these in the second week of April. Yeah, it was, it was a couple weeks before the actual NFL draft, so we had the scouting combine was already done. We already had Senior Bowl. Like, we had all this stuff. Uh, Tank Dell, Tank Dell, fifth round pick. Here's one of the things that's standing out to me and, and something that, that a lot of these players that we've talked about have had in common, right? A lot of these guys have had in common and Tank Dell is going to be a big miss for a lot of us. Huh? Yep. Tank Dell still a miss for me on start sit every single week when people ask me if I should play him and I tell him, nah, he ain't going to do shit. And then he goes out and scores a bunch of touchdowns. So that so point Brandon was talking about, we, we do that too, where we just keep fading and fading. We have our biases, right? We don't right. leave it. But a lot of these players have, have one thing in common, one universal thing, and it's they have a wart, a wart somewhere, mm -hmm. right? So for Cooper yep. Cup, he's playing at Eastern Washington. And... Listen, we got our biases too. You see a guy who is six two, doesn't run the fastest, and is a white dude playing slot wide receiver. You go, nah, we're good, <laughs> we're good. Okay, 
Deontay Johnson, not the biggest, played at a small school. Tank mm-hmm. Dell, tiny, tiny. Keaton Mitchell, tiny. Aiden O'Connell, that old crusty pocket passer, can't move, can't Gun run. Center. It's Purdue, yeah. Just just sits back in the pocket and throws the rock all over the place. All these guys have a warp, but here's the one thing that we need to remember. We're not picking first-round draft picks, boys. <laughs> We're not picking second-round, early second-round exactly right. draft picks. We're picking thirds, fourths, fifths, undrafted guys. Who cares what the ward is? Who cares what the single right. ward is? Go for the production. And like Brandon, like you were talking about the eye test, I can't tell you why mm-hmm. I knew Sam Laporta was going to be a good tight end. I can't well, tell I you why. I do. I, <laughs> I know why. He went to Iowa. Iowa, baby. That's why. Well, he went to Iowa. But I can't tell you Rock why I knew in 2020 when they're playing USC and blowing USC out, by the way, in the Holiday Bowl. And this is the first action I'm seeing of Sam Laporta on the field. I go, that dude's going to be a future good tight end in the NFL. I can't tell you why, but it's the way he moved. It's the way he was used in the offense. It's the way he commanded targets from a team that doesn't throw the ball a whole hell of a lot. It's the way he stepped right in, even though TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are going, we're going to the NFL, see you later. This is your time now. We're not playing in this meaningless holiday bowl against USC. And the way you step in as a, a redshirt freshman and command that kind of workload, the way you moved on the field, the way you're involved in the offense, that's something. That does mean something. I can't quantify it with a yards per catch or yards per route run or a target share metric. I can't quantify it with anything like that. But something about just the eye test and seeing it and seeing the way a player is used in college would lend you to believe that, hey, I should probably pay attention to it. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway I have from all of this is the more you play college fantasy, the more you play C2C leagues, the more you get involved and you actually start watching some games or even looking at the numbers, being that box score watcher, be like, damn, Tank Dell really had 200 yards in a game in college? Oh, I should pay attention to him. He's scoring fantasy points. Why is he scoring fantasy points? Now it comes around to NFL draft time. I've heard a little bit of buzz about Tank Dell. People said they liked him at the Senior Bowl. Everybody's still out there going, he's 5'8", 165. I got to be that person who goes, Atwell. I know he was productive in college. I watched him do some things in college. I don't care about his size because I'm drafting him. For us, it would have been you know, the mid part of the fifth round. If I was a savant, it would have been like, screw everybody else. It's the fourth round. I still don't care about this. Let me go ahead and nab up some tank tail. In the fifth round, I'll come back with some uh, Dontavian Wicks or some Aiden O'Connell or one of these guys. This is how you turn around a dynasty team. That, that we touched on at the beginning. You know, you may be devoid of picks. You may not have your first rounder. You may not have your second rounder. And we look at these fourths and fifths, and Adam and I will tell you all the time, we do a trade show every single week, and there'll be somebody who attaches a fourth or a fifth, and we always started off with, I don't care about that pick. I don't care about this one. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should be willing to take some of these shots on some of these guys because, really, I don't care if they have a wart. I don't care if that pick has a wart, right? The fourth rounder's got a wart. No one cares about fourth. Perfect. Let I, me I, take some shots on Tank Dells of the world. Let me take some shots on some Cooper Cups, some Deontay Johnson, some Puka Nakua's, Aiden O'Connell's, Keaton Mitchell's, Dontavian Wicks's. I, I think, I think though, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're sitting here and, like, my mind is so, because of content we do, it's like, man, I'm so in this contender push. And I'm thinking old, you know, age, win now. And right now I got this like draft high I'm feeling, you know, like, man, I want to go draft right now. And you know what's funny though? I've kind of had, like right now, I honestly feel like I have a a full-fledged epiphany happening right now on this stream where I've kind of been feeling this way, but now I'm really leaning into it. Like this conversation is going to make me next year lean into these two things. One, so Mike and I will do a whole bunch of these mock drafts, right? We, We talk about all these kids. I'm sure you do the same, Brandon. I mean, you're doing... 10 times what we're doing, maybe more. I mean, you're talking Sam Houston State, you know. I just – I know they're Bearcats with a K because I watch basketball like crazy. I'm just a I, sicko, man. <laughs> I don't know anything about their football team. Um, now, what I'll say is, though, the two things that I'm very, very going to lean into, I'll say, when you think about – okay, diversification, right? You think about diversification, and for me, I think at the top, you know, in these first rounds – like if you were to over like heavily, heavily invest into like I did it in 2020 and it killed my teams, right? JK Dobbins, Cam Akers, man. If you didn't get off of those, if you held those throughout, dude, you have absolutely torpedoed that value, right? So if you do that on too many teams in the early rounds, I think that's where you can cause some problems for yourself, right? Now, 
what I'll say is that I think honestly for me, I've been feeling a lot more like in the later rounds, I need to start instead of just saying, Hey, I want to get a share of tank Dell. I want to get a share of this guy. Not that I shouldn't have taken more tank Dell, but I'll end up kind of diversifying too much in the third and the fourth and the fifth round where I'm getting two, three shares of these guys. And here's the thing I'm going to end up missing on a bunch and I'm going to end up hitting on two or three, but then here's the problem. Those two or three, I'm not going to want to really move as much, right? It's my only couple shares here, or I might move them all because the price goes up too drastically. And what if it's Puka and then you miss? So for me, I think the best way now hearing all this, get convicted, convicted on a guy, on a, on a few guys, right? Lean into that, lean into your priors, lean into the reasons why, and it, and when, and if they spike, you get those spike values. Now, see, you're sitting with six, eight, 10 shares, man, I'm, I'm feeling ready. I'm ready for any type of trade, right? I can, I can move. I feel happily moving half of these. Uh, maybe I'll do it in tears, right? And I think because they're later, to Mike's point he just made, the, the combination of you guys talking through this is really leading me to this. These are these are picks that if I miss, I know I missed. I'm, I'm expecting to miss. So why not try to hit big, right? Because it doesn't cost me much, why not try to hit big? Let me get 10 shares of this guy. Be, be more convicted on certain guys. The ones that I'm fading, I know it's going to suck if I miss, but the reality is I'm leaning into the guys I believe in, and I'm going to do it at a very high clip, and the ones that hit... I'm going to try to like extrapolate value over and over and over again. So I'm really excited about this, man. I like it. And, and it's, it's leaning into the guys that you actually seen something from, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I lean in all the time in the fourth and fifth round. It just so happens to be, I want the Tarzans and uh, I'm shocked every single year when they do nothing and I end up cutting them by week four. Cause I'm like, they can't even, you know, they're a practice squad at best player. <laughs> like they <laughs> probably not even getting called up they can't even really make an active 53 why because <laughs> they haven't done anything almost their entire career why would i expect it all to come together now in the nfl at the highest level and they, they've been they've been more athletic than everybody their whole life but now they're not probably going to be more athletic no. than everybody right no no they're playing with the best athletes i think one thing too just to remember when, when we we're talking about this is is it's it's like every draft, Adam. It's every draft, no matter how you do it, fantasy football wise, anyways. And I'm sure it's probably the same in baseball and basketball if I were to play that. But you do a draft, you can't win your draft in the first couple of rounds, but you sure as hell can lose it. Now think about it. You can't really lose. You know, you can't lose the league <laughs> based on the last few rounds of your draft, but you sure as hell can win it there. Right. right. I think about all these that we did, and it just brought me, since we're talking on uh, Canton Bound, we're on the C2C Podcast Network, we're talking with Brandon Sanders about it. It made me think back to our first ever, years in mine, startup. And we're doing really well in this C2C, year two of this, right? We did it last year. And yeah. I look back and I go, man, what was that draft like? Like, what was the early rounds, right? We're doing a fresh, everybody wants the hot names. What was it a couple of years ago? And Adam, our best players... None of them came from the first couple rounds. Nope. Where did they come from? Taking Drake May in the eighth round, right? Taking Cam Ward in the ninth round. Shout out to C2C because we drafted this just strictly off of C2C. Straight off the chart, man. Just straight looking straight off, off the, chart. the chart. Looking back and drafting this, right? Malik Neighbors in the third. Let's go. Round. Malik <laughs> Neighbors stand up. What a steal, man. Yeah. Shout out to Luther Burden the third, who's going to set the world on fire when he gets to the NFL in Missouri, man. What a stud. Absolutely. had me high on Luther Burden, it feels like, for my whole life. Absolutely just insane, right? Think about this, too. Uh, some of the ones that I love, just college producers that we got, Adam. Uh, Tory Horton, Colorado yeah. State stand Colorado up. State. I've Mr. loved that CSF. guy ever since I watched that Colorado game early in the season. Him and Holker. <laughs> Him and Holker's Holker stood out to me. Isn't that another one is like, uh, and they're in plain sight too. There's uh, South Carolina, Xavier Leggett, right? Juice yes. Wells or Antoine Wells is supposed to be that guy, right? He can't stay healthy, right? Xavier Leggett comes out of nowhere and just, that dude's, I don't know if you've seen like his lower torso, but that dude is thick. Like it's hard to bring that man down. So like that. So like he's at South Carolina, right? He's Spencer Rattler, who was once a high protege, but now he'll be lucky to be second. You know, the second stringer, third stringer. He might be practice squad type of guy. I think he might make a, a 53 man. I want to say, but you know, Leggett, for example, if we can get that guy in the first five rounds of the NFL draft, man, that's a guy to pay attention to. He's 
he's a guy I would like to have on the taxi squad for sure. There's there's guys out there you can grab a little later, you know. Right. Well, Dalton Kincaid, we took him in the uh, the right. 18th round, Adam. <laughs> Look at that, and that's paying off in the NFL side now. Not Big only time, did we baby. enjoy the awesome college that, production last year, <laughs> that's that is like when you really get the found money, right? You get a late pick that ends up going to the NFL side too. Oh. So this is just one of those things, though, just to keep in mind when we're talking about this. And I know people go, oh, it's the third, the fourth, or fifth round. But I'm telling you with these later round draft picks, it doesn't matter if it's rookie drafts, if it's startup, if it's a dynasty startup, if it's a, you know, your redraft league. These are the round picks. You can definitely lose them if you miss. You can lose your leagues if you miss. But these later round picks, these rookie drafts like we're talking about here, identifying them, uh, these college teams, these C2C teams, whatever you're doing, these later round guys, the ones that you just have a good gut feeling because you like their production or you kind of like their scheme that they're in. We've talked about a lot of stuff here, and, and hopefully we'll be able to expound upon this with actual data, right? I'll be able to tell you the A-warp of so-and-so coming out of, you know, southern Mississippi, you know, playing the slot. Now he's going in the fifth round. He's going to this team. Look out. He ran a similar scheme in college. He's got an opportunity. If he makes the roster, this is a guy that you should be spending your fifth-round picks all over the place because in these best ball leagues, if he's pops, boom. Now you're looking at a guy who might give you, you know, 60 for 804 touchdowns. <laughs> and in the fifth round, that's all you can ask for. That's amazing. And heaven forbid it pops something like a Cooper Cup, a Deontay, a Puka Nakua. If they pop like that, oh, hold on to it. <laughs> Found free money. Let's go. But... Hopefully you know we'll be able to expound upon it, but I just like to talk about the strategy of it to, to dig in to go like, yeah, really, why are we sweating over whether or not I take Bryce Ford Wheaton, right? Maybe stop taking Bryce Ford Wheatons of the world. Maybe I start taking some Tank Dells. Maybe I start taking some Puka Nakua's. Well, and I, I was going to ask uh, Brandon here, and I, Mike, let me ask you too, because I think this year anyway, and I think it's been something that's, just the reality of football, right? We, we, we Look how many quarterback injuries we have in the NFL right now, right? And I think about, like, when we talk about these deep dives, right? Like, it brings me to, and I know it's a gross one, but it brings me to Tyson Badgett. And, like, guys like this where you're getting way into the weeds, right? But if you get a quarterback like that that ends up starting for a couple games, like, that, you can flip that. What You don't have to believe in Tyson Badgett. You, you can flip those type of players at Superflex in quarterback, right? Because to the point that you were making Brandon earlier, right? Like, man, I'm, I'm out here trying to find that quarterback because in super flex leagues, right? Listen, you, you could find a really nice little gem at tight end. And guess what? Your whole league may not care. You may end up holding that asset. You, you could find Dontavian Wicks. And if it's not a best ball league, your whole league may not care. And the difference though, for me and what I'm starting to really focus in a little more on is um, like you can't know which quarterbacks are going to get hurt, but you can maybe have a little bit more of a presence on, okay, if this guy was to get a shot, what does it look like? Is there any upside? Is he complete garbage or is there any fantasy upside? And I think, um, you know, the Aiden O'Connell thing is uh, similar. So I'm um, kind of curious your thoughts on the quarterback position too on this real quick before we, uh, before we dip. Yeah. So I mean, like it, for example, Clayton tune out of Houston, he was tank Dale's quarterback, right? So he goes to Arizona, a little different now again. And right, if it was clean, if it was Kingsbury, I'd be a little bit more interested. And I think Toon would probably have a little bit more success rate because of the Kingsbury, because he comes from the McVeigh and different route tree, you know, the that that coaching lineage and stuff like that. You know, like we understand like Kings Kingsbury is a lot like the old school. It's almost like a modern day air raid system that you still see in college in college fantasy and stuff like that. Um, whereas Gannon is a little different, right? So I don't think tune fits necessarily. Whereas we pivot Jaron Hall, had he not went with injury, I think if he would have settled down and started going through the rhythms, I do like O'Connell's system at Minnesota. Cause it was good for cousins. Hall had similar tangibles. I wouldn't say he was as I would say cerebral as cousins. And I know that's funny at times because it's cousins and back in the day, you know, the, you like that stuff, but cousins is a dog, right? So yeah. like he's, he's got that fight. Jaron Hall was the guy that replaced Zach Wilson there at BYU. So he had a similar setup to where uh, had he 
you know, not win injury. I think he would have good. Luckily for Josh Dobbs, he just like he don't even know the receiver's names. He's just throwing the dudes and he comes back and he wins. Right. So but I think if Jaron Hall had a full game and under that system, I think he would have been pretty decent. Like, I think it would have been a good spot start, just like a, a Badgett, you know, play the FCS level. Um, they let him run just like Justin Fields and Badgett can run fairly decently because he had to in the FCS because there wasn't. Honestly, they, they ran for their lives a lot of times, especially when you go against those North Dakota states where, you know, Wentz and those guys came from Watson and, you know, Trey Lance, those guys in particular. Right. But they play in a higher FCS and Badgett played at like the division two level, you know, so it's like yeah. Yeah. he had to fight for his life, basically. So but he fits Chicago scheme. So it all it all comes down to the scheme. And that's where, like, I, I applaud you guys for doing the pre NFL stuff because you're going off of like your own scouting report, what you see with your eyes, what you're seeing with analytics and stuff like that. Whereas me, like I want to see where they land because when they land, that's where I can kind of put the two together. And that's where I correlate mine. Like, no, nah, I'm completely out. Like I, uh, I didn't want anything to do. And to be honest, like I was scared to death of Trey Lance. So I, I didn't touch him with a 15 foot pole because I don't think that transition to Shanahan was going to be as good as people thought, for example, like, mm. He just didn't have enough playing time. I mean, people should have listened to that because I feel like he needed to adjust. Um, you know, it wasn't a win situation where he went to Philadelphia, where it was actually a, a decent system for him, where he could actually thrive. Look what happened to Wentz when you get out of a bad, you get out of a scheme anymore. He doesn't play in the NFL right now, you know. So it's like you got to land where you got to land. So pl- I applaud you guys for for drafting. That's it takes a lot of guts. Man, the quarterback one is actually an interesting one where. At, you do it pre-NFL draft, but then afterwards you maybe have a little more clarity and maybe try to make some different moves. Um, so that's a good thought. I like that. This, uh, the question you asked about quarterbacks, too, it's going to be interesting. It's always going to be league-dependent for me, um, You know, especially in them like fourth-round, fifth-rounders. I think I'll be more interested in throwing darts at uh, quarterbacks. But you know in how many best ball leagues we are, like these fringe guys anymore who, you know, oh, we're hearing that maybe Hendon Hooker is going to be a late-round one pick. And, and you remember us falling over ourselves in the early part of the second round to go draft Hen and Hooker of the world, and now you're like, burnt that one, well, need that back. I think it's going to be more, I'm going to avoid that kind. There you go, that exactly. Kind, Learning I'm going to avoid spending that kind of draft capital on it, and I'm going to be more inclined to go, oh, Aiden O'Connell in the fifth, or Tyson Bajan, like maybe I got a little something on him. And, and to be completely honest, he didn't even make that list of pre He wasn't even on the radar, right? No. No, heck no. He didn't show up. Come on, man. He didn't show up in a mock draft. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, you know what's funny? See, the last thing I'll say on this podcast is that I, a lot of people look back like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Honestly, I love my mistakes. Now, obviously, you don't like them in the moment, right? You hate, you know, why did I take this? I love looking back. And, Mike, that is 100% through two years of doing a bunch of these drafts, right? We went from, I don't know, 10 to, God, how many did we do this last year? It, all I know is it's going to be tough for me to track this following year, all these rookie traps. But, but by doing a bunch of them, by doing a whole lot of them, see, Mike, I'm telling you right now, the errors, when I have screwed up big time, it goes back to the point that we've both made earlier. And if you think about it, you can ruin the draft early, but you can't really win it. You can't lose it late, right? Here's the thing. When I have really punted like value to the – absolute shit bro i mean when it's shitville i'm talking mike look back malik willis it's the speculative quarterback reach when we don't know it's always that mm-hmm. hendon hooker um you know go back to the year prior it was uh oh gosh what's the kid's name i'm drawing a blank now uh there was there was a couple of them sam Howell. uh let's see how the kid carson did. strong baby Carson Strong, but then uh, what was the guy uh, for Carolina? I cannot think of his name right Matt now. Corral. Matt Corral, yeah. Oh, Th- yeah. Those guys in 22, all the late first, early second, those are landmines waiting to happen. Because here's the thing. If you hit it, how much far- farther is it going up? A little maybe? Right. If you miss it, you're going from first to third round value. You cannot do that. So to the, to the I think we've both learned a valuable lesson with uh, these last two years. Wow. Thank you so much, Brandon, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for tapping in here. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I can say it yet, but there's a hell of a tool coming out. <clears throat> there's, there a, there's, a, there's a hell of a tool coming out at uh, CampusCan.com that you may want to get your hands on. And trust me, I've I've used this thing a few times. I really like it. <laughs> and it's just getting better and better. 
it is amazing. Uh, Campus Canton also has some amazing tools. We we spoke glowingly about the rankings. If you like the rankings, Adam and I are only in a uh, playoff scenario in the league because of CampusCanton.com rankings. So just that itself is worth it. But if you want it, use promo code South Harmon, 10% off the first purchase you make. So congratulations to you if you use it. Go check it out. And... Big shout out. Go follow everything Brandon Sanders is doing, man. Yes, Go follow everything the campus, the Canton team is doing. You guys pump out some amazing content. Really appreciate you guys in the space. And Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. That's going to do us here for uh, for Canton Bound, episode 11. We'll see you back here same time, same place for episode 12 next week. Peace. Peace.